Now, here in Ireland, we love to criticise lots of things, including landmarks and statues and monuments. And uh, this week, uh, this last week, we got a new statue of Michael Collins in Cork and it seems to be pretty well uh, received uh, by all accounts, but not always the case with statues. I mean, we've lots of statues that, you know, people don't even know uh, who they are. Uh, Remember, they've been kind of lost in in, in popular culture. Uh, Others have proved controversial. Some develop their own nicknames, uh, you know, things like the stiletto in the ghetto or the the time and the slime. Wasn't that the name of that millennium clock that never got up and running? Anyway, Josh Crosby, who else, has been investigating this issue and sends us this report on our fascination with statues. They're on motorways, they're in towns and villages, they're just absolutely all over the place and I think they really enhance the country. The really sad thing is when art is just consumed by a, a very select part of the population, which I, I think is the case with most modernist art. But with the public art, especially with statues, you don't need a PhD in art history to understand that. Oh, I saw the statue move, yes. When I came here, I saw Our Lady's face change into the face of Jesus. And uh, I'm not the only one that saw that. Our relationship with statues has been complicated. Some have been removed, others reinstated. They can be the first landmark to many dates and they've been used as a form of protest. And the repeated defacement of the Molly Malone statue has been described as outrageous by a Dublin city council. From farm to city, monuments can be found peeking out around any corner. But many feel a sense of connection, which can then start the personification. Oh, the fusey and the jacuzzi. She's <laughs> a great girl. Nelson was gone. Now that, that, that's a pity, besides that spike. I think it's horrendous. You don't like the spire? It's, it's awful. It's nothing. Molly Malone, she was uh, detached with the cart. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, the flusing jacuzzi, because I swam in it. You swam in it? Oh, God, yeah, with the swords and all. After a night out or the what? washing up liquid. Oh, yeah, two o'clock in the morning. The whole lot of us. I've been meeting with sculptors and admirers of Ireland's statues to hear about our bond with public art. But first, I'm off to meet Anne Lane, who got two books published titled By the Way, after travelling over 90,000 kilometres across the country taking snaps of public art. Anne, how are you? Josh, how are you? Good, good, good. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for calling. You're the woman who's taken photographs the length and breadth of the country. Yeah, I'm the woman who drives like a maniac around the country. Well, we'll have to take a look at these photographs and hear the stories about the statues and sculptures. Come on in, come on in. I started to travel a bit and I said, you know, there won't be too much. There'll be more in Cork where I come from than any other county. So I'll get this, I'll photograph them and I'll get it done in no time. And then I began to realise the quantity of it. I think we have more public sculpture than uh, almost any country in Europe. And you have the books here now in front of us. Yeah. Talk to us. So how many sculptures and statues did you actually document and and photograph? Okay. In the two books, there are 1,800 pieces. And I just got into the car and drove and photographed the pieces and picked up information on them in whatever way I could. And I set off and I just drove and photographed them. Anne Lane's books, by the way, capture pieces of all shapes and sizes along the highways and byways of Ireland. Back in 2021, a statue destined for Clare made international headlines over its appearance. The puka, unfortunately people don't know the character as well as they might know, you know, the banshee or the leprechaun. He's a traditional character from Irish folklore. He's a fairy. He's a trickster. The puka by sculptor Aidan Hart attracted some backlash from the locals of Ennis Tymon and was rejected following a vote. However, the statue remains in Clare and is today standing at the Michael Cusack Centre. I met Aidan Hart at his studio in Kildare to hear his thoughts on why people get so emotive over public art. Yeah, well, they're right to. I mean, people care about culture. Public art is 
art that's in people's faces. It's like, you know, the buildings in the city centre. You see them whether you like it or not. Yeah, damn right you have an opinion. It's impinging upon your, your public space. My first foray into it was uh, a bit unusual, the puka in County Clare, because it um, kind of took on a, a life of its own. That was unusual. I mean, even, uh, like, it was unusual particularly because the sculpture hadn't even been put up before people were trying to tear it down, you know. Let's talk about the, the puka and the uh, eventful beginnings it had to its existence. You got, got a bit of a mixed reception, to put it mildly. How did that feel as an artist, that this piece that you're creating wasn't wanted by people? Yeah, well, it was. It was wasn't wanted by some people. Other people, um, I, I would say, the, the vast majority thought it was uh, an eye-catching, memorable, surreal piece of art. But um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't like hurt my feelings or anything because I knew it was as good a good sculpture. I understood probably the the reaction of people because it's a very unusual sculpture. I mean, a lot of people were like, "What the hell is this yoke? Something going into their town? They're going to have strong feelings about it." That's inevitable enough. Statues and monuments in Ireland have been at the centre of many historic moments, from the blowing up of Nelson's Pillar to being hit by bullets in 1916. But no such statues attracted more publicity than those that were said to have moved in the summer of 1985. With the reported sightings have come the inevitable commercial interests, although even pilgrims have to eat and drink, and they arrive on foot, by car and by special bus. I'm on my way to Ballinspittle Grotto in Cork to meet with Patricia Bowen and Agnes O'Brien. Patricia says seeing the statue move was an experience she'll never forget. Our statue began to move. Sure, it was chaotic, I suppose is one word you'd put on it. What I call it is a festival of faith, actually, because, well, the first few nights... Um, there were like a few hundred people here and by the 15th of August there was 20,000 people here. There was people came here from all over Ireland, buses from all over Ireland, buses from England. Bring me back to that day now. When I came here they, I saw Our Lady's face change into the face of Jesus. How did that feel come over you? Like, you must have got, did you get a shock? You get a shock, you would and you're kind of you're taken into a, a different space, you know. You're taken into a, this beautiful, peaceful space. You get lost in it. And the strange thing about it is that two people could be standing together. One person would see it and the other person mightn't see it at all. And what was the reaction you got then from family and friends when you went back and told them what had happened? Well, sure, everybody were surprised and shocked and delighted and you know all the excitement was you couldn't explain it you know but there will be people who might be sceptical and oh, say sure, and question it yes you'll always get them yeah. yeah have you had to push back against that over the years or have you felt that over the years or people questioning well i tell you i'll tell you one story anyway about a couple of lads that came up here one night for a skit and when they saw what was happening, they couldn't go away. They were here for hours. <laughs> I'm Agnes O'Brien and I'm secretary of Spittle Grotto. We have people that would come here all through, throughout the year. You know, there were so many people working here, all voluntary work and trying to make the place safe for everybody. And there was like people working here at night to make sure everything was safe. There was people coming out. here they around the clock? Oh yes, right around the clock, yes. And that was for so many months here from the summer from 1985. 
and then like after that then like it not dwindled but like people were still coming but not to the the thousands that were coming even till this day there are still groups coming like we can see cars have pulled up here as we're speaking yes people would come and like people might just come just for a quiet moment they would just pull in with their car might sit in their car and just say like just they could be here for five minutes ten minutes they just feel that there is peace that it's just the feel that tranquility here people will often say to us like they will still see the statue move or they will see various uh, saints um the face of saints on the statue oh yeah oh yes yeah 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 you will often get that when would be the most recent you might have heard something like that no it was about two weeks ago someone said that they were when they were here and they could see it moving whether you've seen a statue move or not the chances are if you walk by a sculpture and take a look you'll make an observation good or bad nickname worthy or not so much we do feel entitled to pass a remark so for the artists creating statues and those documenting their work what do they think lies ahead for our monumental links to public art it's a mixed bag because there's plenty of money being spent on art but public art commissioners they're kind of in an odd space because on the one hand they have to commission good memorable work but on the other hand, they have to keep locals happy. And so that's a difficult thing to balance. And look, we've seen many statues the world over where they can cause controversy. People are bringing their political beliefs towards statues. And How do you... Knocking them down and... Yes, and we've seen paint being thrown over statues. How do you ease the introduction of a statue? Or how do you strike a right balance there for both the public and those creating the piece? Well, when councils commission pieces, the sculptors put in their applications and the council decides now, at that stage, I think really it all amounts to discussion, discussion. Include uh, the local people if it's going to be a commemorative piece. Just involve the locals and, and, you know, have some agreement on it. When you think about the great sculptures in history, Michelangelo's David, The Age of Bronze by Rodin, The Tinker, I mean, these are eternal themes. These speak to people, whether they're French or American or Indian, whatever. And I think that that kind of universality is a better thing to aspire for with public sculpture than something that's just going to please one select focus group on one particular day. I think you sort of need, you know, art to mature like a fine wine. I I don't think your your first reaction should be the, the most important thing. All right, that was the sculptor Aidan Hart there who created that famous uh, Puka statue, uh, wrapping up that report from our own Josh Crosby. I have to say, I was a big fan of that statue and I think he did a brilliant job of it. And that's the type of art uh, I like to see in the public space. I think some of the art on the side of our motorways is actually uh, brilliant, kind of an unusual place for it, uh, arguably, but some of it uh, um, I really like. Um, Everybody has an opinion on who is deserving of a statue or what type of art we should have in the in the public sphere.